I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh my the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. So we're taking Ethernet cables, standard Ethernet cables that you use for cameras, to power access points, to, to power your IP phone, your desk, and we're powering, we're using that same cable and same infrastructure to now power other things in the building. So things I'm talking about is the lighting. So instead of having typical NC cable going to lights, now we have Ethernet cables, motorized window treatments. You know, we're working with some of our partners to manufacture HVAC units and televisions on PUE. So a typical television, you already have to drop one Ethernet and you have to bring one power circuit. Now, or at soon, you can do one Ethernet cable for power and data both. And we want to do that same thing for every, basically everything in the entire building. Hello, my name is Demetrius, and you are listening to Spaces Podcast Express. Thank you for coming back, everybody. All right, this is a super fascinating conversation. I spoke with Hannah Walker. She's the Chief Operating Officer at Sinclair Digital. We discussed this new technology that I had just heard about for the first time recently, um, spoke with her for another podcast called Detailed, and in that conversation, we focused on a hotel that she happened to work on and provide a lot of technology for. So I invited her here to go a little bit deeper into some of the technology that they're working on at Sinclair Digital. Talked about energy storage, digital electricity, which is also another new thing, and power over Ethernet which is one of the main ones that I wanted to get to. Super fascinating conversation. 
This is one of those conversations that I think you should probably listen to twice. Not that it's complicated, but I definitely picked up on more things the second time around. Uh, one thing to note is that I realized we did not specifically define low voltage, which we talk a lot about in the conversation. So low voltage systems are defined as anything under 50 volts. So that's like doorbells, garage door opener controls, heating and cooling thermostats, alarm systems and sensors, and things like automated curtains and those types of systems. Now, as a precursor, just to give you a little insight into where this conversation is going to go, we talked about transitioning some electrical components that are currently on high voltage to a low voltage system. So a lot of this technology, as far as digital electricity and power over Ethernet, can handle that. Again, we talked about the power over Ethernet, what it is, its limitations, touched on the Hotel Marcel, which is covered in greater detail in that detailed episode. We got into DC microgrid systems, and Hannah breaks down the energy flow process of AC and DC. So make sure to check the show notes. Uh, I'm going to put a lot of contact information there because I know you're going to want to contact Sinclair Digital after this. Uh, so you can check for that information there and hope you enjoy this conversation with Hannah Walker. So before we get too far into it, uh, if you can step back and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and a little bit about Sinclair Digital. Sure. So as you mentioned, I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Sinclair Digital. So I handle all of our projects from design all the way through commissioning, and we work in construction um, as we worked at the Hotel Marcel. So my background, I actually started uh, in architecture. I was an architectural major at Texas A&M, and then I ended up meeting a developer. He was developing luxury hospitality, and he was looking for an in-house architect to help him with interior design, you know, uh, design services, working with the, their architect and construction team, and be his, you know, hands and feet on the site, which gave me so much experience learning about what goes into a project from a to Z, you know, as a developer side, you are concerned with everything in the building. And he is specifically wanted to look at using different types of technologies in the building that weren't really utilized before. And so that's where the Sinclair Hotel came to play. And that's where our namesake Sinclair happened. So that's our first project that we sunk our teeth into and really redesigned the electrical infrastructure into transitioning as many components from high voltage AC to low voltage DC. And that's where Sinclair Digital spun out of. And so at the Hotel Marcel, we were hired as the low voltage designers from everything from the traditional low voltage. So their you know, wireless access points, their phone system in the guest rooms, typical stuff that is in every hotel. And then we additionally designed all of the lighting and all of their motorized window treatments to also run off of low voltage DC as well. So all of those factors are all running off of Ethernet cables instead of a traditional high voltage AC system. So that's our role that we played at the Marcel Hotel. Yeah. Did you do any? Uh, did you work for an architecture firm prior? 
I worked for uh, an architecture firm in my summers of college and in the winter breaks as well in Wichita Falls. So, you know, I did get a, a decent amount of experience learning what it's like to work in an architecture firm. Yeah. And especially when you're working at the bottom, you know, you're doing a lot of grunt work. <laughs> it's not what you learn in school, you know, is what you're doing. So I found that working with a developer was so much more fast paced and you're actually the decision maker. When you work for the developer, yeah. you know, at school, you're always the decision maker, right? It's your design, your building. Uh, but when you go into the real world, you're completely at the dictation and the whim of your clients because it's their money. Yeah, it was a very interesting transition, I will say. And I think um, working through the developer was a good transition because if you would have just gone straight from architecture to networking, it would have been like throwing cold water on yourself. Yeah. But I still got to do a lot of architecture and interior design. You know, working with the developer, we we actually changed interior designers for our restaurant um, mid-project. So we had to redo the entire design from scratch. So we hired a new designer who did the concept plans, you know, just like very conceptual, like this is what it should look like, um, rough, you know, layout. And then uh, myself and our other in-house architect did the rest, the entire rest of the, the drawings, picked out every finish. And then, you know, did the RCPs and oversaw the construction. So we really got to do still a lot of things in our educational field. And then slowly and surely, I got more education in networking, low voltage. I took, got some certifications, got some training. Now I'm pretty much solely focused on the technology low voltage side. Yeah. So as a technology designer, how do you describe what that role is exactly? Like, what's your day-to-day, uh, or what does a project, your, your process through a project look like? So typically, an owner hires us because they are interested in sustainability, they're interested in technology, and they have some type of goal in the project with, some, with controls of some sort, right? They want to have a great guest experience. They want to have, you know, luxury touch points throughout the facility where everything's talking to each other, you know, mobile application. Um, so we, we meet these owners typically. And right now we're still, we call them unicorns, right? Because they have to have the right mix. Some developers are just worried about bottom dollar. They don't want to have risk with, with newer types of things. They want to do the cheapest thing possible and they don't want to have any uh, new type of technology, right? So those are not the clients for us. So it has to be the client that's interested in the environment, has sustainability goals, um, and is willing to try something new for the betterment of their project, right? So a lot of times it's people that are not flipping the building, right? They're going to own and hold the building because yeah. they're also interested in operational costs and operational efficiencies. So anyway, we get hired in the project and we start to, we immediately integrate with the design team. So just like any other design team contractor, the architect, uh, we're hired usually directly with the architect or the owner. They share their Revit model or their plans, whatever the project is is uh, using as their, their system. And then we start laying out our own drawings. So for a hotel, for example, they usually do a pricing set after the schematic design. So we'll lay out you know, a single guest room, all the, you know, bells and whistles, all the features in low voltage drawings. Uh, we say this is how many data drops, this is how many uh, Ethernet cables, 
And we, we kind of do a very basic skeletal system that can then be sent out for pricing. So we really operate just like any other electrical designer, mechanical designer, and we just fit right into the project team. So at that point, you know, when we're meeting the other design team members, that's when we start to talk about, okay, you know, typical MEP designer, you know, you don't need to design the lighting circuits. That's going to come off. That's going to go on our drawings. And we really start to work out, you know, what's in Division 26? What's in Division 27? You know, how are we going to hire this out? It's a lot of coordination with the GC, the electrical engineer, and the lighting designer at that point to make sure everything's starting to get separated into their their different buckets. Yeah. Is it very much different than a typical IT type of designer? Um, how and, and if it is different, how would you sort of highlight those differences? So it's very, very different than a typical IT designer. One thing I'll say is that a typical IT designer will come in much later into the project because all of that infrastructure is not considered main core building infrastructure. It's usually an overlay on top. And so, you know, some architects or some owners don't even hire their low voltage designer till the very tail end. And then they just come in and they just put their drops around everything else. They're also not typically involved that much in the construction process. For example, the phone system, you know, electrical engineer sometimes even just does it. They just lay out a couple data drops. The contractors pull them back to a closet. And then when everything's finished, that low voltage installer will come in, bring their switches and upstart the equipment. So the integration and construction is much more heavy when you're doing PUE, lighting, and shades because you are part of the infrastructure. The second thing that's very different is the the fact that lighting and parts of lighting are considered a part of the life safety systems. So now you are designing things that are UL924, which is part of life safety systems. So when the power goes out, you know, you have to have egress pathway. That all has to be coordinated much more carefully with the electrical engineer, you know, what's backing up these systems. And it's not just, you know, data that if it goes offline, you know, inconvenient, but no big, no, no big deal. Now we're dealing with designing life safety systems, which is much more regulated and much more important to have all your ducks in a row for. Let's take a break to share a little bit more about our sponsors. Systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want, but you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so that you can get back to doing what you love most. This series will help. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger, FAIA, aims to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew his practice from a solo practitioner to a 30-plus person firm, then later sold his firm to do what he does today, help architects be more successful through Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth for years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. 
Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit. And when you visit bqe.com masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free, and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's bqe.com masterclass. Hey, Demetrius here. As you may know, Spaces is part of Gable Media, the next evolution of interactive media and resources for the AEC community and beyond. Gable empowers AE professionals just like you to better serve the world. Now, through the strategic development of a brand new membership platform, we are eliminating the traditional industry boundaries and information bottlenecks that we all experience. But we need your help. Please go to gablemedia.com/members and pick your top three initiatives that you believe will have the greatest impact on your growth, including a continuing education program, VIP access to expert forums and private Q&As, community boards, special freebies, and more. Go to gablemedia.com members and let us know what you'd like to see. Small firm entrepreneur architects, Get ready to build a better business with the Entree Architect podcast, where business meets architecture. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, the host of Entree Architect podcast. Join me every week for inspiring interviews with passionate people that share proven strategies to help you build a better business. If you think there is a problem, one, you can't make a move until you have a plan in place. The accountability chart really helps plan, okay, for the business, six to 12 months out, this is what we need. We cover it all from financial management to marketing, sales, productivity, and beyond. There's two sides of it, right? So there's the one when you don't have any work. So you're like, well, I'm either going to charge enough to be profitable or I'm going to go out of business. Or you have so much work and you have backlog and you don't need any more work. So you charge way more. I'd also say lagging measures, one of the best like the best, best, best. <laughs> so for any client, for any professional service um, company, if you're going to take one thing away from what we're talking about today is to look at a number called the labor efficiency ratio. Entree Architect is not just a podcast. It's your secret weapon for success. With over 500 episodes, it's one of the longest running architecture podcasts in the world. You're sure to find the information you need to elevate your business. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe now and join the community of small firm entrepreneur architects building better businesses. And now let's get back to the conversation. You mentioned POE. Can you explain what the POE technology is? So POE is one of the technologies that we deploy a lot. It's it's one of our very core technologies that we focus on. So it stands for power over Ethernet. So we're taking Ethernet cables, standard Ethernet cables that you use for cameras, to power access points, to, to power your IP phone, your desk. And we're powering, we're using that same cable and same infrastructure to now power other things in the building. So things I'm talking about is the lighting. So instead of having typical MC cable going to lights, now we have Ethernet cables, motorized window treatments. 
you know, we're working with some of our partners to manufacture HVAC units and televisions on PUE. So a typical television, you already have to drop one Ethernet and you have to bring one power circuit. Now, or it soon, you can do one Ethernet cable for power and data both. And we want to do that same thing for every, basically everything in the entire building. Wow. Are there any limitations to the PoE technology? Yeah, so the typical limitations that go around PoE is it's power over Ethernet. It's considered class two, which means that it's low voltage. So to qualify as low voltage, it has to be below 60 volt DC, and it has to be below 100 watts of power. So a typical, they call it PoE++ now, because it started, you know, traditional PoE is only 15 watts. And then it went to 30, and then it went to 60, and now it's at 90, which is really going to be the cap, because now we're hitting that, you know, 100 watt limitation. So anything over 100 watts is out of the realm of, of power over Ethernet. That's when you start to look at other types of low voltage DC systems that can power those things, but can peak higher than 100 watts. Another limitation is distance limitation of 325 feet from your endpoint. So you have to consider that when you're laying out your infrastructure, how far away are devices, how far away can I be from them? And those are the two main limitations. It's the power and the distance. Got it. Any other special considerations, either for the architect or maybe electrical engineer, as far as uh, install or design in general? The main limitations or uh, changes, I should say, I wouldn't, wouldn't call them limitations, is depending on the design, uh, you're going to have to house this network equipment somewhere. Um, today, you have electrical circuit panels, right, and they're in the electrical room, and that is the backbone of your electrical system. So with using PoE, now you have network switches. Those are either going to be, you know, rack-mounted in a central location, so you'll have, like, you know, IT closets spread throughout the building, one location, you know, depending on the height of the space, etc. We like to deploy a distributed switch system. So now we have switches located in ceilings, behind access panels, so you can basically eliminate IT closets by distributing the power throughout the building more evenly. But again, consideration for your architect, where are the access panels? How are they accessed? You know, where are they hidden? That's the stuff you kind of have to coordinate with your architect. And what's the best decision for the client? You know, if it's like a one story small building, just put them in a rack and your IT closet is fine. But you know, you get so many advantages by distributing it out if you can save space you know, uh, you don't have to have all those, you know, BTU calculations for your IT rooms. You can get that space back and have revenue generating space. So there are a lot of, you know, pros and cons for, for both ways to do that. Yeah. What's the space uh, necessary when you do that distributed for each panel? What are you, what are you looking at size-wise? So depending on how you deploy, you know, you can, you can group switches together. You can have them separated. We, we, in our hotel at Sinclair, we ended up putting one single switch in every closet in the guest room. So just the millwork, we just had a small like two by two part of the millwork just blanked off so you, you couldn't see it. And it, it really didn't affect uh, the room operations at all. And it really didn't affect having to have access panels because it was already there. It was going to be built in anyway. 
So uh, that was very easy. But, you know, if you want to do it in the ceiling, you know, you, you need some sort of access, you know, depending if you have one switch or three switches, you know, maybe you're on a two by two access panel would would cover you. And Hotel Marcel, the developer was actually an architect as well, uh, which is interesting because typical developers don't really care that much about certain things. Yeah. Um, but when you're working for an architect, they care very much about making sure everything's in line. And his thing was no access panels in the guest rooms at all. Not the bathroom, not the main room. He hates access panels, hates them with a passion. <laughs> Even HVAC, everything was accessible from in the room, like not a single access panel in this project. So, uh, well, I mean, obviously there's, there's access panels, but it was very particular in the room. So that was not going to be an option for us. So we always go with what's the best decision for the clients at the, at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, this is such a fascinating technology and the, the, the approach that you're taking. I know you guys have a few other systems that you that you install, um, particularly I think on Hotel Marcel, you contributed basically to a um, a mini grid or a grid system for that hotel. Can you talk a little bit about that and some of the other systems that you provide? Right. So I'll tell you about the Hotel Marcel. So it's an amazing project. Their goal was to have a net zero property. So they're generating as much power as they're going to use on site as they consume. And so whenever they realized that they were going to have renewable energy and they wanted to store that energy in batteries, those are both DC systems as well. So now we can start to get into the realm of building a building as a DC microgrid. Because when you're going to use renewables, typically what happens is you you get the panels or you get the turbine, all that energy is generated in DC, direct current power. And then to transport that energy, you usually have to go back to AC to transport it to the building. And then if you're storing it in a battery, then it goes back to DC to go in the battery. And then when you deploy it out of the battery, same thing, it goes back out to AC and then comes back to DC when you power the LED at the end. And so one thing that we tried to do at Marcel was remove as many of those AC to DC efficiency losses by deploying technology that sends DC power, like the PoE, for example. Um, and another technology that we were looking at was called uh, digital electricity. So it's a new type of energy. It's fault-managed power. It's going to be classified as Class 4. It's already passed in the NEC code review, and it's coming out in the 2023 new electrical codes. And uh, class four power, like you mentioned, fault managed power is essentially pulsing packets of DC energy. You can pulse it up to 700 pulses a second. And so that's a way you can send DC power a long way. So if we go back, you know, to the Tesla versus Edison discussion, AC versus DC, how do we power buildings? We ended up going in an AC direction because you can't send DC power long distances safely. It's too much power, so that's why they went with AC power. But now with class four power, fault managed power, we can send lots of DC power long distances. So that's what we did at Marcel. So we started taking our larger DC loads and sending it across class four power with a company called Volt Server. They make digital electricity. And uh, we started sending power throughout the building that way. Um, some of the advantages of using these types of technologies is it's all safe to touch. So you can't start fires. You can use low voltage technicians to install it. You know, um, you're using about 75% less copper 
you know, electrical and copper costs are just skyrocketing right now. Yeah. So the fact that you can use thinner wires, it's safe to touch, you can start fires with it, um, you can distribute it throughout your building without conduits, you know, is a huge bonus today in construction. And now that you're connecting everything with Ethernet and with low voltage cabling, you're also getting communications on top of that. So we're always trying to figure out how do we make buildings more intelligent? How do we make them more sustainable? And being able to make those automations, you know, turn off the HVAC, turn the shades off, turn the lights off, turn it back on, all of that is data and ability that's built into these types of systems. So not only are you getting, you know, less copper, less metal, safer, you're also getting communications on top. And that's why we're seeing so much interest in these types of systems that we're designing. Yeah. Are you guys the only one or are there, are there other companies that are doing taking this approach? So we are kind of in a unique position for a couple of reasons. There are people that are starting to design and deploy PoE lighting specifically because that's been around now for five, six years because the, the switching network infrastructure, you know, started at 60, going to 90. So, so people are kind of realizing that this is, you know, cost effective for their projects. The fact that we develop our own projects as well is giving us the, the buying power, one, and also the ear of manufacturers to make new products that work with this type of system. So we're very close partners with LG. So they're making us TVs. They're making us HVAC units. We're very close pro- partners with Kohler. So they're making us shower valves that run off of an Ethernet cable. There's nobody else that is doing that type of work, that type of R&D work that we're doing. And so we're, we have the combination of the design experience because we own our own properties that we put this technology in. And we have the manufacturing contacts to make new products that are going to be on the market for everybody to use. So we kind of see ourselves as an early pioneer of this type of technology. And we want to build products and software for everyone to design into their own projects. We don't want to design, you know, for forever. We, we're just doing it to get the technology out there, to get the components out there and, you know, build all these systems that we can now, you know, sell and bring to the market to everybody, you know, that wants to design these types of systems. Yeah. Wow. This is um, such an exciting uh, innovation. So I'm, I'm rooting for you guys and look forward to watching you uh, continue down this path. Um For those that are interested in following along and and learning more about Sinclair Digital, what's the best way to do so? So, uh, you know, they can reach out to me directly. We we're on, you know, LinkedIn. We're always speaking at conferences. So we have, you know, people on the boards of NECA, uh, which is the National Electric Code Board. We're we're speaking at um, low voltage conferences too, like Bixie. So, you know, you could easily catch us at one of those or reach out to us on our website or, you know, just email me directly. We're, we're still a small enough company to where um, <laughs> we kind of do a little bit of everything. right? So, um, you know, we're happy to take information from anybody. And, you know, if you have a project that you're interested in looking at the site of technology, you know, we'd love to chat with you. Do you want to give out your email? Yeah. I mean, it's just Hannah, H-A-N-N-A-H at Sinclair-Digital.com. Okay. And then our website is just Sinclair-Digital.com. All right. Thank you so much, Hannah. Um, I will link all that stuff and including that episode on the uh, the detailed episode on the Hotel Marceau project all in the show notes. 
Thank you so much again, Hannah, for, for joining me and, and sharing this information. Um, thank you to the listeners for listening. We will talk again on the next one. Thanks. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to check out our sponsors. By checking them out and supporting them, you help us keep this show going. Thank you to BQE, the makers of BQE Core, for their support of this podcast episode. Visit bqe.com masterclass to register for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass. Thanks again for listening. Spaces is part of the Gable Media Network. You can check out similar content at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. If you enjoy our show, you can support us in three simple ways for free. You can leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or on your podcast app if it allows you to. Tell a friend and follow us on social media. Thanks for spending time with us. Talk soon. Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host Patrick McLaney, FAIA former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise. From 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm.